Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. If you're not a subscriber uh, to the series already, please do hit it wherever you're listening from right now. That subscribe button can be found with this series at YouTube, over at Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, like iTunes and Apple Podcasts. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, the Claypool Lennon Delirium, talking with Les Claypool and Sean Ono Lennon about the record South of Reality. We'll discuss writing topical on this record, uh, the environment. We'll also geek out on black holes and science facts and even touch on the debate of Julian Assange. On the lighter side of things, Les and I take it back to 1994 about Primus's triumphant show at Woodstock 94, Sean being tasked with reissuing his mom's records, the Yoko Ono series. We'll also talk about covering the Beatles. The band has been doing that. This is the first time in Sean's public life that we've heard him do that. And Les, having just recently performed at Jazz Fest, we'll talk about Les Claypool as a jazz master as well. A lot of fun with this one. It's Kyle Meredith with the Claypool Lennon Delirium. Howdy. Welcome back. Album number two. Correct. Yeah, South of Reality. It makes it real uh, for us at this point. It's getting real, dude. Yeah. Semi-real. I don't know, because, you know, our favorite artists get together all the time, you know, for kind of one-offs, and you never know if it's going to happen again, and and here it is. Does it... Did you go into this one with it feeling different? Did it have a different kind of with Mm. more intent than, hey, let's have fun? Does that... Mm. Does it happen like that? I think we were just used... We we had a better flow this time because we'd already made a record, so we kind of had a a flow uh, going. The honeymoon was over, and we sort of... Got to know each other. Sleeping in separate bedrooms, you know. <laughs> who was going to twiddle what knob and whatnot, you know. I mean, our work ethic. But as far as the songwriting itself, though, I mean, I guess that's what, I mean, is it, did, do, you, do you figure out what works and what doesn't? And you're like, okay, all right, now we can size this out. Because you all have so much history of your own writing behind you to kind of So much history. The weight of history. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we actually 
have a pretty good flow with songwriting. It's not like we write a bunch of stuff we don't like or something. I think we started the band because we sort of shared a lot of the same tastes or proclivities. And so we tend to, we had a good instinct for what we wanted to do, I think, with the band. It happened quickly and the inspiration moves fast, doesn't it? Yes, the perspiration moves fast. The perspiration is... Is salty. I mean, I think the difference between the two records is, A, we prepared a little more for this one. The first one, like I was, you know, it was like the honeymoon. We were trying to see who was going to do what, and, you know, he ended up on the drums, which was a new thing for me on the first record, and I sat at the console, and we, and this one, we just knew exactly where we were going to go, and we had, had uh, uh, hung out in both Manhattan and upstate New York for a couple of weeks, just jamming on acoustic guitars and eating lots of food and drinking wine and, and, and writing down or uh, recording little notes on our on our riffs and whatnot on our phones, and then when we came back little together, nuggets. we had we had some more fleshed out nuggets to to drop on each other. Yeah, so. it's it's interesting when you hear it too because <laughs> oh what it sounded ex- dropping fleshy nuggets <laughs> on each other. That's what we were and doing. That's my, that's my shiner right there. <laughs> that's the boy. Uh, because when you said. Like the cool thing about listening to this record, or maybe both the records too, is like you can't figure out. I can't figure out like what's a jam and what's maybe written specifically to sound like something. Because I don't know. There's a it's a fine line. There's the fine line between jam and prog, mm. and I think this album is that fine line. You know, it's and like, just stepping on your guitar. It's a fine line. Where does that stop and begin? It's pram. It's jog. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, most things. And I would—I I can't speak for everybody, but but most riffs do come from jamming or noodling or whatever you whatever you want to call it. You know, you just stumble across something interesting. Very rarely do I sit down and go, "I'm going to write something that sounds like this." It just something comes out and it it sticks. But we do have sections. I mean, Les is also good at sort of, especially on the live during the live show, designating the improv sections. So they're always parenthetical and they're they're bookended by composition so it's not like anything ever goes off the rails there's always a way oh, to it bring it back <laughs> it's just we know how to go off the rails with style well, in the good way there's the good falling off the rails and i hear that a lot in, in your past and i don't know how much you have obviously with with you know ghost of a saber-toothed tiger there was some psychedelic in there but but how much of what you're talking about was new to you coming into this like how much further did you have to go well it was exciting f- for me what was new joining a band with Les is that there's I guess there's a culture on the stage of of taking longer improvised sections and also taking more solos and stuff which is just something I hadn't really participated in that much in between songs yeah we got we have good banter as well but no so that was we think it's good (laughs) that was fun I mean I've done some improvising but not as as much as I do now with Les and uh it's taught me a lot it's made my playing better and it's been fun learning how to be comfortable flying by the seat of your pants because he's you know he's good at being like all right now he gives you a look we'll improvise for a while but then we'll bring it back just as quickly which is um you know i think that's that's what's fun is having the tools to kind of let go but you know how to bring it back so uh, it's been fun learning how to improvise within you know uh limits and, and, and less i mean you've got beyond primus you do a lot of different collaborations i guess and to be the band leader in that way i mean do you find it different with different artists the way you kind of conduct in the way sean's talking about do you use the baton with the other boys yeah i use a sword in this band um i mean not necessarily i mean i i don't know i feel like i tend to 
like to I, 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 I'm that guy I like to drive you know when I get in the car I hate it when my manager's driving because he's a horrible driver but I don't I like to <laughs> drive, drive. You know, I drive my tour bus I <laughs> like to drive it's just maybe I'm a control freak I don't know what it is but I feel like even with um, my position as the bass player you know I lock with the drums and I I feel like I can move the thing along but of course the dynamic of the tune is often dictated by the, the soloist and how the solo's going and whatnot. But I'll, I'll help nudge it along or, or try and follow what's going on. But it also depends. You know, when you're in a band like Oysterhead with someone like Stuart, I mean, Stuart likes to drive, and you just kind of chase him around. Mm-hmm. And it's a glorious, wonderful thing. It's just a different different dynamic. Yeah. So a bit of trust falling going on in, uh, with, with your musical partner. I think it's like anything else. I mean, I keep going back to music as a conversation, and there's times when you're in a conversation and someone is leading the conversation for a while, and then you lead the conversation for a while, and then you know you, you toss it's like you toss the ball around, whatever metaphor you want to use. Mm-hmm. And um, flesh nuggets, <laughs> you know, flesh nuggets, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's very similar with music. You know, as long as you have uh, enough vocabulary to sort of stay in the conversation, there's a lot of interesting things can happen. And I tend to play with guys that have pretty, pretty strong musical vocabulary. I like that our this is the Flesh Nuggets interview. By the way. Yeah, Just Flesh go. Nuggets for all time. <laughs> it's the new. It's going to be a new new thing at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to hit on the, the title because South of Reality sounds like a place where both of you may have spent your time, but it also sounds like a place where all of us have been forced to spend our time in the past few years. Exactly. Am I hitting close with either of those? Yeah. Both of those? I think you. I think it can be. It's it's all open to interpretation. I think both those interpretations are are, are relative. With let's say, the current state of, of things uh, politically, environmentally, uh, all of that. Has that changed the way this, this recent administration changed the way that you've written topical in any way, either of you? I think we're really influenced by current affairs, but, I mean, not any more than we're influenced by, you know, stories and things that, have, that we read about, you know, from other times. I think we're just, I mean, we, well, Les t- has a really good imagination, so he often comes up with completely original narratives whereas I tend to read a lot of stuff and sometimes I try to interpret reality into the lyrics but I think it depends but we definitely there's a lot of the modern world in the record I would say but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's overt or if it's intentional necessarily there's elements of course and I think you are influenced by what's going on either right in front of you or peripherally I mean that's I think that goes without saying well I guess has this one that's what I mean with However you've done it in the past, have you noticed that it's been different? Because things, I guess, seem escalated. They do to me. They do to yeah. a lot of artists. A lot of artists, I, I've noticed, have gone kind of inside with the anxiety, isolation, themes like that. Uh, mm. It's not something I get on this record. This record, especially when you take a, um, a song like, like Fleas, you know, that, that ends the record. I mean, that's pretty right there, kind of in your face, what you might be talking about with the, uh, the environment. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wrote the lyrics to that song and 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 taught, or most of them tossed them at, at at Sean and said, "Oh, yeah, I have this this tune about the notion of parasitic man and blah 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 blah." And he says, "Oh, yeah, we're like fleas on the back of a dog. The Earth, Mother Nature's just trying to shake us off." And I was like, "There's the there's chorus, the you know. There's the chorus right there." So you know, or even the opening song, uh, "Little Fishes." And I've gotten a little flack recently because of one of the lines. I know, that was surprising. The, Which line song. is this? There's a, there's a line in the song that says, uh, uh, gone are the days when your brand of genitalia would determine where to piss. And so I'm to say that. I guess there's been some folks that have thought I'm transphobic, which I'm not. I'm just making an observation as if I 
was saying gone are the days when the color of your skin determined where you sat in a cafe or whatever. You know, it's just an observation. Mm-hmm. It's not things a pro are changing. or a con. It's just the times they are a changing. Somebody else wrote a song that said that a while ago. So seems um, like everyone's. But there are to be things offended. like that on on this record. There are, out there the are, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love how the record ends with fleas because it kind of feels, it feels like it's always good to end with fleas. <laughs> it feels like the world might be, you know, or there might be some kind of catastrophe coming, but it's also lighthearted and fun. So you're like having a party as the world spins out of control or something. It's a nice feeling, as opposed to getting all sad about it. Well, I, I'll read the line too, <laughs> because I mean, the, the way you've written has always almost been like uh, observational and sometimes quite literal when we think you're not being literal when you're you know, metaphorically. But you know, they say Mother Earth is dying. I don't see it that way, and she spits out massive hurricanes to wash us all away. I mean, it, it does take the twist in the way we all talk about it. Like, oh, we're all, but well, when all is said and done, we are the parasites sure. on the on the uh, entity here, on the host, and uh, I think. Uh, this rock's going to be around a lot longer than we are. Um, yeah, I like that idea. People often worry about saving the planet, but the planet probably doesn't need saving. It's, you know, it's our species or other species that might be eliminated through our, you know, carelessness. But ultimately, the planet's going to outlive us. I do like that. I like remembering that. I think that's a cool part of that song. But then again, a giant spaceship may come down and save us all. Maybe. We can be hopeful in that. Yes. If this is the nice crossover. It's a cookbook. <laughs> if George Clinton chooses to tour again. <laughs> well, the band will, just not George Clinton. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. This is the nice crossover with, uh, with the two of your interests because, and I, I've seen some of the shows online and everything where you'll throw it to him for some science facts. I mean, that's, this is a, the, the big That's a high-pressure moment. Yeah. I've got to remember to do my research backstage. I guess all you do is do research. That's like his life. I know. I mean, of course, we're, you know, we're looking at pictures of the black hole for the first time. That had to be that was amazing. A big day for you. It was a big day for everybody. I think it was amazing because, I mean, the idea of imaging a black hole is is unbelievable, considering that we we haven't directly imaged any exoplanets. So you realize that the thing imaging must be imaging a black hole, <laughs> an exoplanet. Imagine if we can. Exoplanet sounds like an ex, uh, like a Rush song, but um. Well, Cygnus X. The fact that we imaged it with light about? means that it's so big. That's yeah. what's amazing. I mean, it's just un- it's bigger than our solar system. So. You know, it's hard to get a picture of a planet, but you can get a picture of a black hole that's bigger than our solar system, and that's mind-blowing to me. It's crazy. It's actually daunting to think there are pits of nothing that are that big. And it's a selfie. <laughs> and it's a it selfie. Was, it, was, it looked like a donut to me. It looked like a I big donut. glazed donut. I felt, I felt bad not to be dismissive of that historical moment, but when I saw it, I thought, oh, that's what we thought it looked like, right? Like, that's it is exactly what Einstein predicted, yeah. predicted it would look like. I mean, the relativity predicted with the models and the right. computers. It's, it's unbelievably close. Yeah. While we're on the subject of the news, and I'll get back to the music in a second, I did want to bring up something because hot-button topic was, uh, lately was uh, Julian Assange. And, um, mm-hmm. and you kind of came on Twitter, you, you kind of came, not to his well, rescue, but kind of pro what he's... Well, I just doing. feel like people villainized him a lot. And I understand not being happy with what he did, but... I just feel like in the big scheme of things, people like Snowden and Assange are brave in that they, they put their personal comfort on the line to, to live by principles of you know, freedom of, of the press. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's an important part of a democratic society, you know, free speech, freedom of the press. So um, 
you know, I think we live in an age where a lot, a lot of stuff is getting censored in a sort of insidious way, whether it's social media or even relationships between media companies and the White House or lack of, the, a lack of a relationship between a media company and the White House. But there still seems to be levels of, like, filtration that people like Snowden and Assange are brave enough to stand up to. So I just, you know... I, I think it's cool, but a lot of my friends disagree with me, so it's fine. But I, I think it's cool that somebody would pretty much dedicate their lives to the principle of freedom of press, which is cool. Because, you know, all, he does the same thing. He vets his publications. He considers security issues. And he publishes things that people give him. So, you know, technically that's legal. I mean, that's what a journalist is supposed to do. You protect your sources and you publish the information and you consider the, the downside. And I, I don't feel like he's that different from other journalists other than he's been vilified and he's done something in this, things that have upset people you know but. that's what I, I wonder it's um why do i agree with all of those things but i don't like him for some reason it's the yeah, way it's a lot of my painted, friends you know? like well him. sean and i have talked about this quite a bit because we have get a couple booze drinks in us and uh, i mean for me yes i now respect and admire <laughs> the notion of honesty and presenting this information but I, from where i stand the timing couldn't have been worse you know if this information was available, why didn't it come out earlier when we could have... It was very damaging to the left at the wrong time, I feel. Right. So. Sure, I just don't think he should go to jail for it. And I don't think he should have been living as a refugee in, you know, in the Ecuadorian embassy. It just seems a bit extreme, that's all. Yeah. And theoretically, he could be up for you know, capital punishment if he committed treason under American court, which I don't think would ever happen. But still, even the threat of that is you know, daunting, considering... He's simply publishing information. But I agree the timing was intense of, of, of the Hillary stuff. But, you know, well, I mean, I still stand by it on principle. <laughs> I stand by it on principle, basically. I'm good. You guys keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I have no seg to tie this back to the music, but I'll, I'm going to get back there just the same. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I because saw the picture in the paper. I thought Fred Durst got arrested. I know. It was, <laughs> was funny. Like, I went on the bus and, like, the newspaper article of... of of uh, Assange had like a little Fred Durst sign under it, which is funny because he does look like maybe a a retired Durst. I can use that actually as a saying. Fred Durst, Woodstock '99, Primus, Woodstock '94. All of them are celebrating big anniversaries this year as they're planning the new one. Are they really? Yeah, the Woodstock '19 and uh, in the 50th anniversary. It's 50th anniversary, and you did one of them. And I, I've, yes. I've talked to a few artists that have done it, kind of getting their take of what that was like for them. And, and how they see that image because it became something else five years later and now it's being touted as something else again, I guess. Mm-hmm. I but, mean, I, you know, we, we did the 94, which mm-hmm. was the first... The first sure, uh, reboot. Yeah, reboot. Anniversary, right? Yeah. It was before the word reboot. But, um, <laughs> and it was actually unbelievable. It was one of the best... You know, sometimes, no matter how well you rehearsed you are, you have an off night, and ha- no matter how crappy you are, you can have a good night, or, 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 or rusty you are, I should say. And Primus was rusty as hell because I was out touring with somebody else, and we ended up coming together that night on stage and just had a, one of the best shows we've ever had. So it was a good one for us. It's a fun one to watch, too. I still have mud in my cabinet from when they were <laughs> fucking the mud up, up on the stage. The, uh, the Woodstock of mud. No, yeah, it's coming back around again. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and as far as the rest of the year... Um, well, let's see, Sean. You've been doing the, uh, the the issues for your mom. Yeah. Are those still ongoing? Or are you done with those? Or more? Yeah. No, way? we have some pending releases. Um, I think we just came out with a wedding album. Uh, so we, I, I helped remaster all of my mom's LPs, and we included the ones she did with dad, like um, 
Life of Lions and uh, Two Virgins and Wedding Albums. So those were the really hard, actually, to do because the packaging is pretty complex mm-hmm. on those, especially the Wedding Albums. So we just came out with that, and people seem to like it. Yeah. I liked it. To me, I consider it just a gift to my mom or something because, uh, you know, I don't know what to get her on Christmas. So I thought remastering her albums and putting them out, recreating them lovingly was like a nice gift to her. And she really did like it, to be honest. Like, usually if you give her a Christmas present, you know, it's hard to know. But with the LPs, I gave her a box of all the remastered, reprinted ones. She was like, oh, my gosh. So it was sweet. She was happy. It's something that's so personal to you, but we all benefited from that as well. Yes. It was very <laughs> personal. It was a nice thing to do. Yeah. It felt good. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's got to be an interesting thing for you to kind of go back through that part of the history right there. Because as I've seen you say in other interviews, I mean, those were literally the makings of you and those albums, you know. And yeah, exactly. It was really it was really interesting to go back and listen to it all in like a good system in a studio because um you know they're probably not the records that I go home and put on for fun to listen to especially I don't know especially the wedding album it's just, it's a lot of gurgling and <laughs> it's a lot of gurgling and You're the one who's heard it all yeah. every every, every but second of it's it. It's sweet. I mean the way I look at it is it's just two people who've really obviously fallen in love and they're having so much fun, you know. They may be having too much fun. But they're having a lot of fun, and, and it's sweet because it, that is sort of from whence I come. So You're part of the gurgling. I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those gurgles for sure. I, I won't take this down that road, by the way. But, uh, oh, go down the road. I'm not going to go down the road. Everybody I, wants that. So. I did, what I will say is there, is there is that moment in the show you all chose to cover Tomorrow Never Knows. Of all the songs you could have done... You know, uh, of all the bands you could have done, I guess. Well, he didn't want to do any of my dad's songs. <laughs> uh, we were, uh, we tried them, but they were too hard. No, I mean, we, <laughs> we, uh, I think we did that one because it's easy or something. But it's also it's kind of makes makes sense with the. And delirium. it's a pretty decent song. It's, oh, a, it's decent a great song. song. Yeah. It's not but it's, too it's, shabby it's only on the one chord, of so, you know, songs. Yeah. That way, we don't have to remember too many things. Uh, I still get it wrong though sometimes. But yeah, it's just one chord, and it kind of fit in with the delirium. So, I mean, Les was the one who encouraged me to do it because I am sometimes wary of uh, covering my dad's music. Not because I don't love it. I mean, I I play it at home all the time, and that's how I learned to write songs. But Les was kind of like, you know, it's time we got to do we got to do one song. I was like, all right. I think that was the only one I was willing to work. To well, try. I used to cover that song with the Frog Brigade. The thing I've noticed in being around. Not just him, but just the notion of of the shadow of the Beatles thing or whatever is there is that element that comes to the shows, and I really spotted it when we went and saw his buddy James McCartney at a, at an event. There's that element of, of of there's those individuals that come to the show looking to see the DNA, you know what I mean? And they've already got this preconceived notion or this expectation or whatever. And so I, I understand now, which I didn't in the beginning as much, why. Sean didn't necessarily want to do Bungalow Bill, which I was pushing for. Oh, yeah, he was pushing for that. <laughs> um, because it, it sort of continues to reinforce that notion mm-hmm. of those people that are coming that are going to, no matter what, you know, when you're, the, when you're the offspring of somebody who has left that huge of a footprint, I mean, it's, it's tough to get out from under that. And so I think Sean's done a great job of doing that throughout his career with the Ghost and with the with the um, Grand Royal stuff and and Chibamato and all that whatnot. And now with us, it's it's he's he's really sticking his thumbprint out there. And, you know, I told him when we first got together, I was surprised how great of a guitar player he was. And I said, Hey, dude, I'm going to get you on the cover of Guitar Player magazine. Not that I knew anybody at guitar. He player really did that say that, and it, and it did happen. Just, <laughs> by what we created, I wanted to show the world that he's. He's a motherfucker of a guitar player. Thanks, Les. So, 
he, lo and behold, he's on the cover of Guitar Player magazine. It's pretty funny. He manifested that. It's an argument for And better than that, he was mysticism. in Modern Drummer. As That's <laughs> also good. I wasn't on the cover of Modern Drummer. Drummer. I know. That was hilarious. I did get in Modern Drummer. Yeah, that was a dream come true. Yeah, yeah I so. mean, honestly, you know, the reason I stay, I, I, I mean, not to bring it back to that because I don't need to, but the reason I don't cover dad's music so much is more just, it, it doesn't have any deep, re- there's no deep reason. It's really just because it feels the pressureful. I feel like I better do a good job. It's just like it's too much pressure and I could never, you know, it's hard to live up to how good those recordings are. So, you know, I avoid it because it's just too much work. But tomorrow never knows I can handle because it it's just that one chord over and over again. <laughs> You know, so I can could do that one. That's fun we're, we're doing Beautiful Boy tonight. Oh, God. <laughs> we're going to do like the bebop version. <laughs> it's the things that only you can say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Les, yourself, uh, later on this year, the uh, Bastard Jazz. Is that what's up next for you? Uh, in a couple of weeks, doing a little Bastard Jazz, yes. Yeah. Yeah, what is that? I mean, other than maybe what it sounds like. It's basically me getting together with some, some individuals and just go walking on stage and imp- improving. I did it once for this comedy festival in San Francisco. And it was really great. It was Mike Dillon and Skerrick and Eric Harlan and myself. And this time, it's myself, Mike Dillon, Skerrick, and Stan Moore, who I've never performed with. I've never performed with Stan. I've I've sat in with Galactic and whatnot. But I'm I'm really excited to 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 do this thing down in Jazz Fest. It's Jazz it's Fest. A jazz Fest. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, jazz I'm, I'm not a jazz, jazz guy, but I'm you know I'm the bastard element of jazz. Yeah. How's that? So. And you walk in with nothing and and just wait for it to... One of the greatest experiences I've ever had was uh, we did this thing called um, Bucket of Bernie Brains, Mm -hmm. Colonel Claypool's Bucket Mm -hmm. of Bernie Brains years ago. And it was just showing up at Bonnaroo with Buckethead, Brain, and Bernie Worrell. And I literally walked on stage and said into the mic, I'm about to play the first note of my life with the fabulous Bernie Worrell. And I went, and we went, and we just played in front of 8,000 people or whatever it was. And it was... It was amazing. It was magic, and it's awesome. It was sometimes you got to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Kick off, kick, kick off some dust and some cobwebs, and stand on the edge of disaster and see what happens. Well, not as a long lot as you got some good comrades with you, it's, you're, yeah. I feel pretty safe. Listen, not a lot of ours, you know, feel like they can take risks these days. And both of you guys, I mean, they're full compliments. I'm a fan, and that's the reason why a lot of us are fans. Thank you. Is to watch you do crazy, weird, fun things over <laughs> and over and it's over. It's the danger. The danger. <laughs> we live on the edge, baby. <laughs> yeah. Sean Ono Lennon, Les Claypool, the Claypool Lennon Delirium. Indeed. That right. South of Reality, the new record. Uh, thank you both for doing this. I really thank appreciate you. it. Why, sure. Les Claypool, Sean Ono Lennon, the Claypool Lennon Delirium, and the new record is called South of Reality. It's out now. Hey, before you get out of here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. And again, you can check us out on uh, YouTube, on Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, WFPK.org. That's where you'll find me every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. We can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding 
or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.